0: as we get to the point, G. K. Chesterton was an author, a journalist, and a theologian in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. and he wrote a confession that, as he watched things unfold in Europe, that he actually had a faulty worldview for decades. He wrote that he thought of the world as always progressing. And he realized that this thought process was very dangerous. He wrote this, The world is what the saints and the prophets saw it was. It's not merely getting better or merely getting worse. There's one thing that the world does. It wobbles. Trevin Wax in his book, This Is Our Time, suggests that the challenge of the Christian life it's for us to keep our bearings while the world is wobbling. Can you feel it today? Can you feel the world wobbling? Now, we have some folks in our church that were actually out in Utah last week, and they actually felt the earth wobbling as the earthquake hit Salt Lake City. In a spiritual sense, in a cultural sense... Can you not feel the world wobbling today? And while the world is wobbling, what you and I are called to do is to hold on to our faith and and to keep our eyes on Jesus while we are trying to see and process everything that's going on around us. As the world wobbles, we're to keep our eyes on Jesus and to keep our eyes on the things that are eternal. But if we would be honest today, our eyes are all over the place. We see so many things that are going on around us that causes maybe our faith and our trust to wobble a little bit. Would you grab your Bible and go with me today to Mark chapter 4? Mark chapter 4, our text today is verse 35 through 41. It's also recorded In Matthew chapter 8 and Luke chapter 8. As I'm continuing this series, Lessons from the Land. I took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee just a couple of weeks ago. And so uh, this story is kind of special to me today. As I, I preach a message I've entitled, Stormy Days. We certainly find ourselves in some stormy days. Hear the word of the Lord. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. On that day... That even the wind and the sea obey him. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. I often encourage you here at the point that anytime you read a text, you ought to ask the questions who, what, when, where, and why. The who of this text, of course, is Jesus leaving the crowd and he gets into the boat with the disciples to pass to the other side. Well, what is the story about? It's about a boat ride that Jesus takes with his disciples across the Sea of Galilee as they encounter a storm. It's interesting to note the wind of the text because this storm and this event happens in the evening. Uh, what limited uh, boat life I've had growing up and over these last few years uh, being here on the coast, I can assure you Uh, that the worst time to be on a boat in a storm is when it's dark and when it's the evening time. The where of the story is the Sea of Galilee. As I mentioned a minute ago, I was able to get on a boat and, and ride on the sea a few weeks ago. It's also in the scripture referred to more than once as the Sea of Tiberias. The why of the text is what I want to unpack with you over the next few minutes. As Mark's gospel is recorded here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the narrative that he writes is no doubt intriguing to his Jewish readers, the ones that would have originally received this gospel. It's like It's likely that his Jewish audience, when they read this text about a boat and being on the sea, that their mind would have went back to the Old Testament story of Jonah, who found himself in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And the way that that storm was calmed, the scripture tells us, is they had to throw the backslidden preacher overboard, and then a great calm came upon the sea. The Jewish readers were no doubt familiar with multiple passages in the Psalms that, that talk about the, the storms and the sea raging. And we certainly know uh, that is true in this story in a literal sense. But there is a picture that is given for us about storms as it relates to life. And I'll show you that a little bit more in just a minute. They would have known Psalm eighty nine nine, uh, You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise, you steal them. Now overall, the Jewish people were not known as people of the sea, yet they knew that their God, Jehovah God, they knew that he was in control of the winds and the waves. Now for just a minute, let's talk about the Sea of Galilee, an important place where over 50% of the water for the entire country uh, comes from the Sea of Galilee. And it's not, it's not salt water, it's actually a, a fresh water lake that is not only a great water source, uh, but it was a great source and is a great source uh, for food. It's a, a fishing hotbed, if you will. And so keep in mind, as Jesus does 80% of his ministry here on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, when he calls his disciples, we know that at least seven of them were fishermen by trade. And so they're at their home base, if you will. Uh, They should have been comfortable on these waters and would have certainly understood about being on uh, the sea in the middle of a storm. Jesus has just finished teaching the crowd, and he gets the disciples in the boat to pass over uh, to the other side. Some say maybe about a five-mile trip to reach their destination. And as they get into these waters, they experience something that people in this region feared the most. Getting out on the water and a storm blowing up. Now, let me give you just a little bit of geography. On the north west corner of the sea of galilee there's two mountain ranges and that area is known as the valley of the doves and so in this valley it literally at times becomes like a wind tunnel i've experienced this myself i've never been uh in a boat on the sea of galilee to experience this thank goodness Uh, but was there on the shores at one time and the day before the water being completely calm slick as glass the next day the wind starts blowing and it comes through the valley of the doves and all of a sudden, the Sea of Galilee, a freshwater lake, can be just like the ocean out behind me here in Perdido Key. It can rage. It can become very difficult. And it happens a lot without warning. Now, you would agree with me that if you're in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and you find yourself in a storm like this, there's no one better to be in the boat than the miracle worker of Galilee, Jesus himself. In Mark's gospel, he only records two miracles that Jesus performed that relate to nature. Of course, this is one of them. But if you had been the disciples, and you would have seen him raise the dead and heal the sick and make the blind to see, you knew that he could calm the storm. So in this story, I want to just focus for a minute on some lessons that we can learn about stormy days. Number one, I want you to see that storms are learning moments. Storms are learning moments. Now, Jesus finishes up his teaching on the shore. The disciples get into the boat with him, and it would have been natural for them to think that teaching was over for the day. What they didn't know is that Jesus had some more curriculum to cover with them. Jesus is always growing his disciples. He's always growing us. He's always teaching us. And he had some lessons left for the disciples to learn on this particular day. What were the lessons that the disciples needed to learn? Obviously, Jesus is teaching them about their faith. He's teaching them about trusting him more. Now, think about these guys being fishermen, and and, and no doubt uh, they had experienced storms before. Maybe they had a uh, a storm on the Sea of Galilee action plan. We're not sure. Uh, obviously, they did not have uh, the uh, weatherman to report for them about the evening storms that were rolling in. They didn't have Jim Cantori uh, broadcasting from. Uh, the coast of the sea of galilee and so they had no doubt experienced these storms on these waters before but in this case they had what we would call in alabama growing up they had a humdinger of a storm this is a big storm not a little storm And, and they find themselves in the middle of the storm and they did exactly what you and i would have done they did exactly what many people are doing today about the storms that we find in our nation the storms that we find in the world with COVID-19 and financial issues and and health issues there are there are a lot of things going on uh, even in our church that that we're all dealing with and on a human side when you face a storm it is certainly natural to feel some panic to feel some anxiety, to become to become fearful, if you will. And it's certainly normal to ask questions. How long are we going to be in the storm? When is this storm going to be over? And you know what we do as Christians? I hope you do anyhow. You run to the Scriptures, as Josh mentioned earlier. But we run to the Scriptures to get strength for our faith. And, and you're in the middle of the storm, get the picture, and you open up your Bible in it, comes open to James chapter 1 and verse number 2 that says, Consider it all joy when you find yourself in various trials. If I could have a little liberty today and say, Consider it all joy when you find yourself in a variety of storms. Do you feel that way today? Are you feeling the wobble of the storm? And you read James 1, 2, and here's what I do, some people do. You're going, What? I mean, come on, James, how can you be joyful when you're in the middle of the storm? I had this thought in my office. Maybe some would feel like Martin Luther, who maybe felt like James shouldn't be in the canon. And you're going, man, when I read a verse like that, I agree with Martin Luther. And of course, we don't agree with him. But the point is, that is a difficult verse to understand, especially if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's add to that. When you're in the middle of a storm that you did not create. It's not your fault. Now if you'd get honest for just a minute. Just like me you would say at times in my life I have created my own storms. I've created my own trouble. I find myself in a pinch. And that pinch is, is something that I created. Something that I did. It's a whole nother thing. When you're in the middle of a storm that is directed and led by God, or God is leading you into the storm. I read Warren Weardsman the other day, and he said, you know, Jonah was in the middle of his storm because of his disobedience, while in this text, the disciples are in the middle of their storm because of their obedience to the Lord. And please hear me, friends. If you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, if you're following Him today, if you give your life to Him completely, you are still going to go through storms. And in the middle of a storm, God is teaching us. You see, as a Christian, our curriculum never ends. He's always, always teaching us. Back to 2002, we had gone to Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee is a great place we love to go and, and to visit and we had gone with my mom and dad and we took, at that time we just had Rebecca and Blake and Andrew and we all went together and man we had a great time, spent a few days there and we departed on saturday we lived in georgia at that time mom and dad lived in birmingham and so we separated went back home seven days later my dad was at work and he had an incident that happened and over the next couple of days we found out that he had brain cancer and that brain cancer was operable but it ended up being a very aggressive and a deadly type of cancer and they were not able to get it all so through a series of visits with the doctor, the doctors told us uh, basically that he had 13 to 37 months to live. And let me back up and, and just focus on that first 13 months. I can't tell you how many lessons God taught me through that storm. As we struggled together and we made decisions together and some of you have been down that road and you've, you've sailed those waters before, you know uncertain days can be troubling There were days that we cried, many days that we prayed, many days that we sought the Lord, always having in the back of our mind, what does the future hold? And sure enough, I don't know how these case studies work, but I can tell you this, my dad lived 13 months, and he passed away from brain cancer, and of course we celebrated his life and so forth, and then we began to move on with a new normal. And I cannot tell you, over these last 17 years, from 2003 to this very day, I cannot tell you how many times the Lord has allowed me to share the lessons that I learned during that storm in life. And you know what he taught me? He taught me that there's always people around you hurting. There are always people around you that need a word of encouragement. There are always people around you that that need you to share your storm story and to share what God has taught you during that season. You see, Jesus has the disciples on the Sea of Galilee because he wants to teach them some things. The second thing that I see in the text is not only that storms are learning moments, but storms come suddenly. They just come up suddenly. Now, Now let me ask you this question. Is there anybody out there that would not tell the truth and say that three weeks ago you were actually thinking about the fact that we weren't going to have church today? You were thinking about the fact that that your world, your government, and our Centers for Disease and Control would be encouraging us to stay in groups of ten or less. Were you thinking about that three or four weeks ago? Was there anybody thinking about like me? that you would get to a point where you miss the fellowship? I'm telling you right now, I miss it. I miss Connecting Point Cafe that we would be having here in just a little bit uh, at the church or, uh, you know, getting together and having coffee and donuts and fellowship. Are you missing your small group? Are you missing maybe having a family or two over? I'm telling you, I'm a person that is somewhat driving me crazy because I like, I like it. I like fellowship. We had no idea three or four weeks ago that this storm was going to blow in. And I want you to think about this in our neighborhood. And you don't want me to bring this up, but I'm going to use it for an illustration. From June the 1st to November the 1st is hurricane season. Now we moved here and, and one of the blessings of, of hurricane season for us is that we're typically able to get a forecast and when they're seven to ten days out, they're all over the map and it changes Uh, But within three or four or five days, it begins to kind of hone in and the cone gets more direct. And and do you listen to the weathermen as they they make this statement? These storms always wobble. They always wobble. And as they get closer to the land, we don't know exactly where they're going to go in. But the blessing of that is this. With an advance notice of four or five days, we're able to get out of here because we know that the storm is coming. But you know what? I didn't grow up that way. I grew up in Tornado Alley, where you had much less time. And I want you to think about it. I'm, I'm 47 years, uh, years old. Uh, 35 years ago, we didn't have the technology today where they can say, hey, there's a storm brewing on Interarity Point Road, right? We had much less time. On top of that, our family lived uh, downtown in the town that I lived in, and, and uh, we were just one block from the Tornado siren. And man, when that thing would go off in the middle of the night, you talking about waking you up and getting your attention. You knew that you had just a few minutes to make a decision. Why? Because the storm was going to come on you suddenly. You felt it more in real time. And please hear me. The storms of life that we face, we experience them in real time. Typically, there's not preparation time. They come on us suddenly and unexpectedly and when they do we experience the same emotions that the disciples experience in the text it's only it's only natural look in the text it says that the waves are crashing they're breaking into the boat and it says the boat is filling up with water now how many of you agree with me it's time to be concerned they're worried they're fearful Their faith is shaken. How do they respond? Well, they responded the same way you and I would probably. They're they're emotional and they come to Jesus. They come to the right person. Uh, That can help. But I want you to notice that when they come to Jesus, they basically start a protest against him. Why? Because the text says Jesus is in the stern. He's laying on a cushion and he's sound asleep they felt just like you and I have felt many times in life. When you pray and you seek the Lord, they're feeling that Jesus is not responding in a timely manner for them. And so when they come to Him, the question for Jesus is, Master, do you not even care that we're about to die? G. Campbell Morgan said, This is not a request. This is a protest against Jesus' apparent indifference. They felt like Jesus didn't care. They're wondering, if I'm going to follow you, Jesus, and you love us, how can you be asleep in the bottom of the boat? Friends, I remind you that Jesus planned every bit of this. He planned it all. He knew when he got on that boat, he knew when he put his head on that pillow that the storm was coming. And I want to stop here for just a minute and ask the question, how in the world can you rest in the middle of a storm? When I read through my Bible, like the story of David, when Absalom is pursuing him and he's on the run, his own son who is trying to kill him and overthrow him as the king. In just the third psalm, and verse number 5, David said this, I lay down and I slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. In the very next psalm, he said, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety, I love Proverbs 3, 24 through 26. Listen to this. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being you know what those verses remind me that even in the midst of a storm even when i'm having stormy days i can rest in him even when i'm having stormy days like we're having right now we can with confidence say i don't know what the future holds but here's what i know i know that romans 8 28 says that all things all things even a COVID 19 All things will work together for good to those who love God. God is working His purposes. God is working His plan. I love a a story I read about a poem that the, the poet Wordsworth wrote. He wrote about a bird that was in Norway and a great storm came in and blew the bird away. The bird is fighting against the wind, doing everything that it can to get back to Norway, to get back to the place That was home, the place that it was most comfortable. But the poem says, finally, the bird just gave up. And the wind carried the bird all the way to the warm shores of England, to the green meadows and the green forest. When I read that, I thought about us. The storms may blow And even thinking about what's the worst thing that could happen to me. I'm safe and secure in Jesus' hands. And He will carry me all the way to heaven which is my home. You can rest in Him. Though the storms come upon us suddenly. When you're a child of God. You know that God is carrying us to a better place. Not a bitter place. But a better place. Because storms are sent by God to lead us to where He wants us to be. So I want to ask you, are you resting well today? I hope that you are. You can rest in His grace because He is completely in control. Which leads me to my last point. Storms are in a sovereign God's control. All storms are in a sovereign God's control. God has never lost control. God has never had a day of discovery. He's never had a moment where He's wringing His hands or He's stressed out over what to do. If you would allow me a little imagination here. In our story, I can just see Jesus As he lays down and he gets comfortable on that pillow in the boat. And he just smiles a little bit. Because he knows what's about to happen. And and the disciples are thinking, man it's been a busy day, it's been a long day, we've been with the crowds. They, They think they're tired, right? And they probably were, but Jesus is maybe thinking, you know, you guys think you're tired right now, but you're fixing to forget all about that. Because your life is about to flash right in front of you. they get into the middle of the storm. The storm has the attention of the disciples. Jesus, help us. Don't you care? We're about to die. And the scripture says that Jesus not only addresses the storm, but he addresses the disciples. Jesus says... Peace be still. And the sea is completely calm. I love what Craig Rochelle said. He said, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm make you think, That God is not there. Now, I I need to broaden your thoughts for just a minute. And I want you to think about this story because it's a narrative. And we read it and we go, man, that's great. Wow. But think about this. When Mark's original readers received this gospel and they opened it up and they read this story, many of them felt reassured. They felt reassured because... They were about to face tyranny. They were going to face hard times. They were going to be in poverty. And even governmental oppression is just around the corner. And it would have been normal for them and it's normal for us today to get in the middle of a storm and to feel like that we've been abandoned. Have you ever said, God, where are you? Jesus Where are you when we need you the most? You know what Satan does? Satan whispers in our ear, Jesus doesn't even care. If he cared, you wouldn't be in this mess. You wouldn't be going through this storm. And you know what this text reminds me of? That Jesus always carries his children through the storm. He's always with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He doesn't always respond in a way that maybe we would like or that we would, humanly speaking, agree with. Just like in the story of my father, what God showed me through that whole thing is this. When you're a child of God and you pray for healing, God always grants healing. The only question is, Does He grant it on this side or on the other side? Jesus is always with us through the storm. And He says to His disciples, Guys, why are you so afraid? Do you not have any faith left? Maybe today that Jesus is saying that to some of us. Why are you doubting me? I've not forgotten about you. I've not left you. I'm going to sustain you. And what Jesus wants us to do while the world is wobbling in stormy days, he wants us to keep our eyes on him. I'm going to close with an artist who once drew a picture that he entitled, That Lone Star. And in this picture, a gentleman is rowing in a boat, and all around him the waves are rolling and there's storm clouds, And in the whole picture, there's only one star that's shining through the clouds. And the gist of the painting is this, that while this man is rowing in the midst of the storm and away from the storm, the only thing he can do, instead of looking to his right and looking to his left, is that he keeps his eye on the star. It keeps him focused and moving. And at the bottom of this painting, this is the statement. It says, If I lose that, I'm lost. If I lose that, I'm lost. Speaking of the lone star. The artist gives a picture for us of this man that if he loses sight of that star, he's going to be lost and he's going to be overwhelmed by the storm. Can't you feel it right now in this moment? If we do not keep our eyes on Jesus, we're going to feel lost and we're going to feel abandoned. Maybe today you're watching this live stream and you are lost. You're lost. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We believe that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And now, after 40 days, he's ascended back to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And the reason he's left us here in this day, in this time, for this moment, is that we would tell the good news of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, I too was lost Lost in my sin, separated from God for all eternity until I was 13 years old and I realized why Jesus died on the cross and who Jesus died for on the cross and that He took my sin in Himself on the tree. When I was 13 years old, I bowed my head. I repented of my sins. I called on the name of the Lord and I was saved. I was lost, the old hymn writer John Newton wrote. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was lost, but now I'm saved. I'm born again by God's grace. And as I finish my message today, let me speak to the one who may not know that you're a Christian. Today, my challenge for you in these stormy days is to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you have disobeyed a holy and a righteous God. Sin is anything that we do. That is disobedient toward a holy and a righteous God. And the scripture says we are all sinners. But you've got to acknowledge that. You've got to say, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You must confess your sin. And confess Him as Lord. And you too can go from being lost to being found. Oh church... Let me close by saying in these stormy days, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's stay focused on Him. Let's learn the lessons that He wants us to learn as we trust a sovereign God who's completely in control. May we pray together?